We are so glad that you are here and um, so thrilled to hear from both of you. Um, you just fit perfectly into this series called Family Style. So much of you, what you guys are known for is your family. And so many of you are familiar with the Robertson family, but Corey, you, t and we'll get to that. We're not blowing the Robertson family <laughs> off. We love the Robertsons. But tell us a little bit about your family of origin and how you grew up. Okay, so um, I think the first thing you probably need to know about my family is that it's very normal. And um, which I think is what made me, whenever like reality TV started happening, I looked at Willie and I was like, you know, I think your family could be on reality TV because they're not normal. Like <laughs> I recognized that Uncle Sal was a little strange pretty early on. And, um, and so uh, really it, it, it's true. Like whenever um, I was watching a reality TV and I looked over and I said that to Willie and the rest is history, I guess. But um, yeah, so I grew up in a, a wonderful Christian home. My parents love the Lord and love each other. I have a brother and a sister and um, just had a really strong legacy of faith passed down. I'll, I'll, we talk about like Willie and I's differences and we were raised very differently. Like we lived in a neighborhood and we, um, you know, my dad went to work, wore a suit, where Phil, I don't think he even bathes all through hunting season. Something about like the body oils that, you know, help the, doesn't wash his clothes, something like that, yeah. And um, Kay, you know, cooked three meals a day, cooked for all the Duck Commander employees, like work was in their home, was at their house. Kay would cook three meals a day and my, my mom has like three meals she can cook. That, that's about it. And no judgment here for okay, that. thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> we embrace that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So we did, we were raised very, very differently. And um, my brother and sister, we didn't fight like the Robertson boys fought. We like pinched. That was like the worst it got. But, um, and so, yeah, I guess other than that, but I always talk about how like, it's so interesting because we were so different, but on the really important things, we were the same, you know, the faith was the same, the legacy of faith that was passed down was the same. And one of the, I think, things that were, that were in both of our homes that we really saw was just a, a spirit of hospitality. Like we always had people, we had youth group at our house, we had a guest room that was never empty. We always had someone living in it, single moms or families that you needed a place for a little while or teenagers that were struggling at home. We just always had someone in our home and Willie's house was the same way. It was very open and hospitable. The first time I ever went down to, to Willie's house, I was in fifth grade. We had met, Willie and I had met at summer camp in fourth grade. I looked across the way and saw this cute boy with dimples. He didn't have a beard yet. So <laughs> he- um, Good to know. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and so I just thought he was so cute. And then I got invited to their house because they were having a fish fry. They were. Duck Commander was still trying to kind of get off the ground, so they commercial fished. That's how they made a living back then. And they would have these big fish fries, and I went down there with my friend, and I'll never forget, I walked up and Phil was standing there with a white T-shirt, camo pants, he had a black beard, now it's a little more gray, it was black. And I walked up and he said, have you met my boys, Willie, Jess, and Jason Silas? And my friend and I were like, yes, sir. And he said, um, they'll make good husbands someday. <laughs> I was like, we're in fifth grade, but okay. And, uh, and then he went on to say, he said, they're good hunters, they're good fishermen, they're gonna be good providers. Good providers. That's right. <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. He was right, that's right. All right, so let me translate what Corey's trying to say. Um, they grew up rich and we were poor. <laughs> Public school, private school, yeah, the whole, uh, the whole list. Um, yeah, their house, first time I pulled up there, is the biggest house I'd ever seen. And um, 
There was no visible burn piles. Um, <laughs> and I was like, what do they do with their garbage? Um, there was no motors. There was no engines. Everything looked like it was running properly. Uh, there were bushes. The grass, I kid y'all not, was the same height, as far as you could see. Uh, as... <laughs> as opposed to my family, which was, uh, the yard was a little different. Uh, we never mowed our grass. We never owned a lawnmower. Uh, Dad's philosophy was, we don't mow grass, the frost will kill it. <laughs> and so for half the year, it laid down. And, um, and then we, had the, we lived on a river. Uh, sometimes it was in the yard, and sometimes it was out of the yard. So Dad would tie everything that floated down that river, he would tie to a tree. And so we just had a yard art of styrofoam and old uh, trees, lots of trees that he would tie, uh, old torn down uh, boathouses, and that was kind of our yard. And, and still, that's where they lived. Still, uh, still there, yeah. yeah, still there. Nothing's changed. Um, and then Corey's house was amazing. Like, uh, they named all the rooms. So every room had a name, which I'd never seen anything like that. So it was like, what is this room? She was like, that's the game room. And I was like, what do you do in the game room? We play games. And I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> they have a room just for games, you know? And I was like, I got to marry this person. Um, and then, so our house, we had mom and dad's room. There were two rooms, <laughs> mom and dad's room and the boys' room, which was one room. I ended up uh, acquiring the laundry room. That's where I lived. And so uh, it took me years to not be able to go to sleep without a dryer going or the smell of dirty clothes. And uh, that was my room. And I walked in her this room at her house, and it was the most amazing room I'd ever seen in my life. And I said, whose room is this? She goes, Willie, this is the laundry room. And I said, I literally could live the rest of my life. And I mean, I could have put a double bed in there. I mean, they had a sink. I mean, it was like super nice. So we did uh, uh, definitely grew up differently, but we did share uh, the same passion for the Lord, the same passion uh, to help people and family uh, were definitely the same. That's so great. I love, you know, it's fascinating. Julie grew up with sisters. I grew up with brothers. Brothers fight. You know, like I, I remember, you know, brothers fight and then you're fine. And, and marriage doesn't work that way. It's so weird. Yeah, it's a whole, it was a whole different ballgame. Like, whenever we started dating, I remember just, like, hearing the stories of their epic fights, you know, where they would, like, knock each other. And so, I would hear these stories. Well, then, the first Christmas, we were dating. This was before we were married. First Christmas, Willie comes to our family. Christmas Day, they're having a little pickup basketball game out in our yard. And um, Willie punches my brother. And I'm like, my mom's like, we don't punch in this family. You know? <laughs> That's not how she said it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish she'd have said it like that. So. Willie, please don't. Yeah. yeah, she was like, we do not punch each other. And I, so I tried to explain why he needed punching. I didn't, hit, I didn't hit him in the face. I just hit him in the chest. So, you know, I need to establish the way this was going to go. There's a pecking order. Her brother, like, here's how it's going to go in basketball. And then he accused my granddad of cheating in, in cards. I'm like... You, you don't accuse my granddad of cheating, but like he that's the way they cheating. played. They were so competitive, you know? If y'all chose not to say he was cheating, the man was cheating playing hearts, and I just called him out on it. <laughs> Willie, I would say it, it would have been disrespectful to not call him out just because he was her grandfather. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of, that, I felt the same way. Like, I, they were just literally looking the other way. It's amazing it's we amazing stayed together. It's amazing we made it. Yeah, we like, made, how did, yeah, we, we, how did we get married? I am curious about it now, well, like how okay, that went so down. I was actually 17 years old when we, we started dating. So we met fifth grade, summer camp, and um, 
Willie likes to joke that we got married a year later. It was not that fast. It was, but it was, it was not that much longer. I was 17 years old and we go to my parents to say, you know, it's time, you know, we're thinking about getting married and this will also explain the differences. So my dad had basically like, you know, I don't even know if PowerPoint's worth a thing, but it was basically a PowerPoint chart of like all the statistics of, you know, what you need to think about. Do you have a budget? How, you know, let's think through the practicalities, whether this is an actual smart idea, which um, it was clear what they thought about that. And then um, we went down to Phil and Kay, and Willie's like, you know, Corey's parents aren't so sure about it. And Phil says, we well, can get married in Arkansas at 16. What are you waiting on? <laughs> that was his advice. Like, just go across the border. You're fine. He said, yeah, if uh, that's what I would do, I would just go get married. And then when they ask you about it again, just say, yeah, you missed it. It was two months ago. <laughs> I said, Dad, I don't know if I can pull that one off. That's I, I appreciate it. Like, I like where good, you're going. But uh, advice, yeah. uh, no, her dad was not happy. <laughs> he was not a fan. He didn't have the vision that I had when I was. <laughs> and he was doing statistics and papers and all this. And. Uh, I don't think he was really excited about it. But, however, then uh, this is, we've been married 30 years now. Awesome. Uh, awesome. But, I, yeah. But I will say this. Several years ago, I hired him, and he was a great employee of mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How do you like me now? All right. <laughs> okay, that's a great question, though, Willie. I'm curious. <laughs> He talks real big with his father-in-law in Louisiana, but oh, that was great. That was greatness. Um, so when y'all are talking about getting married, and he's pulling up PowerPoints, what are you doing with your life at this point? I was in seminary. Were you really? Yeah, that makes him look even worse. So, but uh, no, I'm <laughs> yeah, joking. I'm just joking. Now I was in. I.e. broke. I, oh, yeah, oh, for yes. sure, bro. Oh, yes. But now I was in seminary. It was a local, like, in our own church, and I was studying there. And I really didn't have a plan. Like, he had a lot of questions, like, where are you going to live? And I didn't really have the answer uh, to those questions at the time. But, yeah, I was, uh, I was doing that. We all thought we were going to be preachers. Um, so my brother, Jason, Al, and I were actually in, the, in seminary at the same exact time. So Al was older. He was kind of um, wandered away from his faith, came back. Uh, Jace lasted for a second, um, and then uh, I went in, and that's what I thought I was going to do, and then we got together, and then we were like, as soon as we, we got together, and we were like, we're getting married, and she was going to college, and I'm like, well, I ain't going to college, and she was like, well, I got to go, and I said, bye, and so she went to college, we broke up, and um, about a week later, I called her, I said, now, how do I get to that college? <laughs> So then, following January, I enrolled in college, and we were in tell, college together. You should tell your ACT score, though. So, yeah, well, she that said, was a well, little you, challenge about getting in college. Yeah, so well, I'll start. I'll start college, and um, and she goes, "Well, you got to take ACT score." And I'm like, "Hey, I already took it." And uh, she said, well, "What'd you make?" And I said, "A nine. That's for real. She said. I didn't, a what? And I said, I didn't really try. And she said, well, you got to have an 18 to get in. So I had to go take it again. I made a 17. Her dad made a few phone calls, and I got in college. <laughs> but, but, I will have you know, I have a college degree. Um, I have a, now stay with me on this one, non-certified to teach PE degree. <laughs> 
Basically, the easiest degree you can get. That's what I mean, he got. It's the best degree ever. Like, so you think about PE class, then you think like, oh, okay, you like run around the track. Like, I'm not qualified to teach that. I spent six <laughs> years, six years getting a degree to where I'm not able to teach PE. But again, how do you like me now? Like, we we figured it out. So. <laughs> It seems like it's worked out okay, though. It's worked it's out. worked out all right. That's right. 30 years y'all have been married. You, and so how old were you when you did get married? 18 and 19. 18 yeah. and 19. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> but we salute you. That's awesome. That's phenomenal. We grew up together. We did. And yeah. our, our kids have all married young, so I think some, something worked out. My parents actually married young, too, so they couldn't really say a whole lot because we could throw that back at them as well. Absolutely. Yeah. We weren't that much older. No, we weren't. We really yeah, weren't. Yeah, I was a mature 21. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about, y'all, you know, one of the things that I think is so fascinating about your story, if you, if you kind of look at reality TV over the last 15 years, it's not known for helping family dynamics. Like, not a lot of people go on TV and they get better as a family or as a married couple. Talk a little bit about kind of how you navigated that and, and why y'all why do defy the odds in that world especially. Me start? Okay. Well, um, I think that, you know, it was interesting. Whenever we first kind of got this offer to do this reality TV show, we had a lot of Christians, like, come to us with, like, fear. Like, are, like you know, your kids are going to get on drugs. You're all going to get divorced. Like, that's what happens with reality TV. And, you know, we really just felt that, like, you know, we are called to be light in the world. We're called to be a city on a hill to not cover. And so whenever, you know, we got asked this, you know, we really just went into it like, hey, like, this is where we need to be. You know, we just felt very called to it. And so um, not that we didn't go into it with a lot of prayer. That was the thing. I think that, you know, we just feel God carried us because we really did go into it with a lot of prayer. And we, we sat around the table together as a family and just talked about the importance and what our values are and how the reason why we're doing this, we did it as a mission, you know? We didn't do it because we wanted fame or fortune. We did it because we were like, whatever spotlight comes to us, we want to point it to Jesus. And so we wanted to hold each other to that as a family. And I'll never forget, we, um, this was just before the show started. We all kind of came together and we were talking about that and how, like, how are we going to remember that? How are we going to not forget what is really important to us? And I remember si, Uncle Sai said, remember the Alamo. We were like... What? He was like, that, that's it. That's it. That's going to be our saying. And so we all agreed that that was going to be our saying. And Alan Lisa actually bought us these little refrigerator magnets that said, remember the Alamo. And it was for us as a family to say like, okay, whenever we get the big head, if ever we start thinking that this is about anything other than about spreading the kingdom, then we're going to remember the Alamo and kind of it'll, it'll ground us a little bit. And, and what a safe way, a psychologically safe and in a family, a safe way to almost call somebody back, yeah. you know, by just saying, remember the Alamo. So it's tongue in cheek. What a brilliant thing to I have. I love that. Remember yeah. the Alamo. Uncle sometimes Si. Uncle si says that's, good, I mean, hey, that's good theology, yeah. though. That's good theology <laughs> to it's remember excellent. where you come from. Yeah to come back to that no matter what happens around you, good, bad, or ugly. I love that yeah, story. Yeah, family mantra. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, I, that was important. I think what Corey said was important as well. We weren't really looking. We weren't out there saying, we'll do whatever it takes to get on TV at all. Uh, we had opportunities come to us, and we were asked to do that. Initially on Outdoor Channel, 
there was a hunting show, kind of reality. So we did that show, and then we were spotted there from someone in Los Angeles uh, who reached out and said, uh, hey, y'all should come. So a lot of people, because you mentioned families, so a lot of people that are on television uh, are desperately trying to get on television, and they'll do whatever it takes or whatever someone tells them to do to be on television. So we weren't that way. Uh, we were different in that regard. And I think for us, we always held uh, these three things, kind of our family, uh, the duck commander. We always talked about our faith, uh, our family, and then whatever the third thing is, Phil would say ducks, but whatever your vocation is, that whatever that is. And so, and you've got to keep them in that order. And that's the important part because I think uh, sometimes you'll look at someone's life and it'll look like that vocation is the number one thing. Or it'll look like, we were talking about like kids' activities will become the number one thing. That'll be what everybody revolves around. And for us, we always want that to be our faith because our faith will help our family, at least ours. It helped us stick together. Our family helped us in all our jobs and all the things that we liked. And so when those get funky and kind of out of order, that's what happens. And so for us, we just keep sending it back through the, the thing going, is this about faith? Is this about family? Yeah. Is this about what we do? And just try to keep those in line. So the very first, um, like, marketing that A&E did for our show for Duck Dynasty, you know, was Sharp Just Man was a song, and we kind of came out of a Rolls Royce, and it was this, like, just fun, tongue-in-cheek thing that we didn't think that much about. But then whenever the, um, the press, a little our little cards that we were supposed to sign. They sent us to autograph, like all these cards. And they had us in the picture, and then it said Duck Dynasty, and then under it it said Money Family Ducks. Mm. And we were, like, mortified. Yeah. And so we literally took a Sharpie and just marked through money on every single one and wrote faith above it. Every wow. poster, everything, we just took a Sharpie and wrote faith. So Faith Family Ducks has been our motto. And it was even before that. So whenever that came out, we were like, Oh, no. Oh, no. You know, so it was a real reminder to us that, like, we have to be intentional about what we want to put out there, you know. And those first seasons, you know, we just had to say, like, no, this is not who we are. You know, we're not about that. And we're not about that or we're not about the about the, the, the money or we're not about kids being disrespectful to parents and, and husbands and wife arguing over everything, you know. We, we really want to do this differently. And we had to fight through that from the beginning. And then I think, you know, we proved that. That's what really what people wanted to see. People wanted to see a family that loves each other, that's not perfect, that can argue and fight, but still sit down around a dinner table, that takes the time to to ask to thank God for what's before them, you know. And so I think it really, you know, made a difference in Hollywood to say, like, oh, you can do reality TV with all without yeah, all the fighting yeah. and all that. That's so interesting. Okay, here's what I'd love for you. If you don't mind, tell us kind of the progression from commercial fishing car engines in the front yard to Duck Dynasty. How did, how did that progression work professionally for Duck Commander and everything else? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, for us, we, uh, Dad... Because uh, I, rem I remember the old Duck Commander show on Outdoor Channel on Saturday yeah. mornings. It was awesome. Julie's dad's a big duck hunter. He goes to, mm -hmm. he goes to Stuttgart all the time. I'd be like, Julie, you need to come watch these people. These people are unbelievable. <laughs> and she, Julie was sitting watching it. She's like, my dad would love these people. Yeah. You were like, they should have a reality TV show. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of where it was. Like when I was kind of in high school, we were doing, uh, we started making VHS tapes 
of the duck hunts. I'll never forget sitting around the dinner table, the same dinner table uh, at the end of Duck Dynasty, but years before when Dad said, I wonder if people would actually want to watch what we do, you know, and, oh, let's try it. And so he made his first video, but we didn't know anything about production. So we went to the sound guy at the church and said, do you think you could run a camera? We rented a camera for one weekend, and Dad shot the first uh, VHS tape. I think he said the Duck Men of Louisiana. Uh, we sold about 100. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's where it started. And then through there, we ended up eventually <clears throat> getting into Walmart. And so that took us national. That was our first big break was Walmart saying, you know, we'll take you guys. And that happened because Dad would get in his truck, and he would make a loop. He'd say, boys, I'm making a loop. And he would drive through Mississippi, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, and he would sell these duck calls, just one store at a time. And so he started selling them into Walmart. Uh, they can buy stuff, uh, they call it direct store delivery. So he would sell a dozen. Then he'd go up to the next little town, be like, oh, oh, Donnie just bought 12. And then, so dad got into like 40 or 50 Walmart stores just in this area. Well, the buyer in Bentonville's looking at this going, who, what is this duck commander? So he calls the house. And he gets Phil on the phone. He said, Mr. Robertson, uh, I'm whoever at Bentonville, Arkansas. I'm the buyer. He goes, how did you get your duck calls in my stores? And Phil said, one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, I'd love to invite you up to Bentonville. I may could help you out. And then he put us in probably like 2,500 Walmart stores. And so with our little address and phone number at the back on our calls and everything, so people started calling. And that was a huge break for us as a business. And then that started growing. We were making DVDs. Then they were like, we got to have them every year. And so we kind of gained this little cult following. And looking back on it, we, were, we had done enough of that to where we weren't just like, totally raw. We're used to cameras and then used to these little shenanigans we did out there. And it just kind of prepared us. Then we got kind of famous in the outdoor world. So it was like people kind of knew who we were. So again, it was not like zero to hero. And then once the reality show hit, which was insane, I mean, it was, it was apples and oranges, but we had, we had done enough at least to know kind of, kind of how to do that. One of the things that I think is, is a key to the business success of, of Duck Commander that's not normally talked about as a key to success is contentment. You know, their family was very content through all of it, even whenever they were living, that's truly so living good. off the land. You know, whenever Duck Dynasty happened, we had the 40th anniversary. So a lot of people see that show and are like, oh, this overnight success. But no, it was, you know, Duck Commander made like $11,000 the first year, second year. 14,000, you know, it was just this, but they were always just very content and, and happy. And Willie said he remembers going from like free lunch to like half paid lunch being like, woo, we're making it now. And then when he actually had to pay for lunch at school, he was like, wow. I thought we're, we were millionaires. Success. I had we're to pay for now. my own lunch at school. You know, so, but just, <laughs> just to see them just be content and just stay yeah. in it when a lot of people would have just given up and gone to do something else because thought it didn't work. But um, they were living the life the way they wanted to live it and faith was what was important to them. So, they but it was, it was contentment, I'm, I'm, I know this because I watched, I remember, it was contentment coupled with a monster work ethic. Mm -hmm. yes. Like right. the Robertsons work. You're funny and Uncle Si's crazy and all that kind of stuff, but you people work <laughs> hard. And that, I think, can get lost in all of the fun and all of the TV and that kind of stuff. Yeah, whenever the show first started, it was funny because we were so far, I mean, our our website crashed twice. Like, we just were not prepared because we, you know, didn't, you don't know if the show's going to hit or what. You can't really do much. I remember telling Willie, I was like, I think we should probably order a few more duck calls or, you know, just be a little prepared. And Willie's like, 
the show might not work. Like, we don't want to, you know. So anyway, all of a sudden, this all happens. The websites crash. We're working just 24-7, literally. We're up there ours. We're hired. If you could walk, we hired you at that time. It was insane. And um, we had to make a video to say, like, we are actually working because the show looked like we're just, like the guys are just all, you know, hanging out, having fun, right. goofing off all the time. We're like, no, we really are trying to make these duck calls and get them to you, I promise. Yeah. But they grew up working in the family business, and Willie said it was the rule. If you sat down to watch TV, you had to put boxes together. You had to, you had to do something, you know. Yeah, you couldn't. So we'd get home from school uh, and watch Dukes of Hazard. But if you watched Dukes of Hazard, you had to fold boxes. So you, if you sat on that couch, you had to be folding boxes. So our living rooms were just mounds of boxes. We did all the jobs. We dipped the duck calls. We, um, we answered the phone. So I can remember, like, at 10, I would answer the phone, Duck Commander. And I would take orders, and you'd write them on paper plates or whatever, and you'd put them, <laughs> stack them up, and we'd do duck call demonstrations, and it was just part of life. That's just how we kind of grew up and did that. And we didn't get paid. Uh, uh, Dad would say, oh, what you eat and your electricity, and so it wasn't like you got paid for the job. That was us doing our part. But now, your kids have grown up differently. And so they have, they've grown up, though, in the public eye. And so how do you manage that? Um, how, how do you manage, because you guys are very aware, um, you were adults when the big shift happened and they were young. And so, yeah. and you talk about staying grounded. What did you guys do to not protect them, protect and prepare? Yeah. Them? Yeah, that, that's a great question because there isn't a handbook for whenever like all of a sudden you're, you know, your husband's face is on like toddler underwear at Walmart. It was like, you know, all of a sudden <laughs> Willie was a chia pet and we're like, what do we do with this? This is weird, you know? Um, and your kids are, are seeing that and growing up in it. But, but you know, our home life was, it, it really stayed a lot the same. Like the things that were, we always said, the things that were important, everything kind of changed around us, but the things that were important stayed the same. We still lived in the same house, same neighborhood. Our family went to the same church. Our kids were in the same school. So those things that were like grounding and important, we really did try to just keep the same. Um, and so, you know, I, I've heard Sadie answer this question, and she's like, you know, things, our parents were the same. Like, even whenever all this happened, like, they're the same before and the same after. And so, I think that was something. But also, I think, because we did grow up in a family business, I actually grew up in a family business, too. Like, our kids grew up in a family business. And so, like, we were on mission together. And it wasn't just about the business. It was much more than just the business. You know, we really tried to, at an early age, to let our kids know that, like, you're a part of something bigger than yourself. You know, the kingdom of God is so much bigger. Your purpose is so much bigger than whatever's going on between you and your best friend, if y'all are fighting right now, or whatever is happening in our little world here, that we're, we're here for a bigger purpose and a greater, greater calling. And so when the show started, you know, if there was no none of this like, oh, who's going to be on it or who's not or who gets to do this or who gets to do that because for all of us, it really, really was a ministry and a mission and a calling. And so I think that's part of it. Um, and then the other part of it, you know, we talk to our kids a lot. We, we would always say this phrase, if you're carrying the football, you're going to get tackled. You know, there's going to be. That is so good. <laughs> Yeah. That, I'm going to steal that, Corey. Go That's ahead. Great. You, can, you can have it. But yeah, just that idea that like we're, we're trying to do something that is beyond us. So we're going to get tackled. Sometimes we say, you're also going to fumble. Sometimes you're going to make yeah. up, mess up. You're going to make mistakes. So just there's no demand of perfection. There's, you know, we know we serve a perfect God. We're not perfect. And so we're just um, here trying to do the best we can. We're trying to carry the football that has been given to us in the best yeah. way that we can. 
That's huge. That's huge. You, you used a great word that I think is interesting that, like, people would say, you know, Mac and Julie obviously are in ministry. You know, we, we pastor church, we lead, and, and those kind of things. But for y'all, duck calls and reality TV is ministry, yeah. is mission. Talk a little bit about that, because I think for everybody here or watching at some point, if you see your whole life as ministry, as a mission, that changes everything. And it doesn't have to be in a church or overseas somewhere. It, it, duck calls can be a ministry. Well, yeah, I mean, your whole life is ministry. I told you I was in seminary, and, but I've, what's amazing is I've been able to preach to way more people not being a pastor, and I kind of like it because I like to kind of sneak attack people, too, with it. And um, uh, think, of th- like, think of a military where you're, where you're placed in places, and I, I'm able to kind of get the gospel to people that, that I want to get it to. And um, I think our God, going back to what you said, there, there is no God for what happens if you're on reality TV? It's certainly our kids. I most everything in life they had I had done. You know, I went to college, <laughs> ish, and um, <laughs> but I had kids. I've I've done all these things. The only thing I wasn't was was famous as a young person, and so that was different. However, our God is literally the New Testament, and so that's what we let God our way. Corey always said that Phil. Like, we didn't have rules growing up. There was no rules. He just, uh, Corey said, he hot-wired us straight to God. So it was like, if you can, if it's in the Bible, good deal. If not, don't do it. And so, therefore, there was no rules. It was just you literally used the Bible as your God. And I think that's what we try to do. We just, just for my kids, I'm like, well, let's read the Word. Let's read and see what this says about this situation and let it guide you. Because long after I'm gone, that, that word's going to have to continue to push them, and they're going to have to believe in that and trust in that. And so we can say one thing. I think consistency was huge for us because we were consistent, and we live by that whether you're at church this morning or whether you're at home on Sunday night or whether you're at the restaurant or, or whatever. You've got to, you know, be consistent. And I, I, I think we've just we've used the word of God as that. We just let it be our God. And we, you know, that's where it takes us. And, and that's where, that's what we follow. Yeah. Whenever we started the show, they, um, you know, we had a lot of people ask us like, were they going to show that you're Christians? Are they going to like, you know, are you going to get to preach on the show? You know? And we would say, you know, they can't get around it because who we are, our faith informs every part of our life. It informs how we parent and informs how we relate to one another in our marriage. It informs how we how we work together, you know, at, with the other people who work with us. And so it informs every aspect of our life. So, you know, our prayer was just that, that aroma of Christ, you know, that if there's something attractive in what we're doing on this television show, you will understand that it's not of us. It's actually, you know, Jesus yeah. through us and, and the way that we've, you know, tried to lay down our life um, like he, he lays on his life for us. And people you disagree with, you know. I mean, yeah, just think absolutely. about the networks we worked with, the camera crews, the, I mean, <laughs> the journalists who we've interviewed with over the years. And so, but, you know, we let that, that same spirit guide us. And, and we wanted to show that Christians uh, could and should be different. And we should have joy and we should have life and we should be happy. And, and we're not just doom weird people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who nobody wants to be around or talk to. And so that was, that was huge for us to be able to do that. But again, that word guides us. Uh, the apostle Paul said, I became all things to all men so that I may win some or snatch some out of the fire. And that's huge for me because I'm thinking always trying to, you know, uh, but talk about that, Willie, because I know 
like, it's one thing to sit here and go, you know, we, we work with people we disagree with or don't see the same, we don't see the world the same way. But talk a little bit about, like, when you've got these camera crews in your home, you've got these camera crews following you around, and, and they don't, like, it's not just that they don't agree with you. They would violently disagree with you. How does that play out? Uh, well, that one way, one funny way it played out, <laughs> one time was, uh, we were all, my dad was kind of over it, and he never really understood the TV show. I still don't think he does. And, uh, <laughs> and so we've got all this camera crew there, and we're in the living room, and if you've watched the show at the end, we'd have this dinner scene. There's a camera that rolls down the middle of the table. And so they were like, okay, Mr. Phil, it's time for your prayer. And Phil said, okay, and he said, uh, Father, I pray for this bunch of heathens from Los Angeles, California, <laughs> drinking their latte coffees with their vulgar mouths and language, and I pray you don't burn them all in hell. Amen. <laughs> now, I promise you didn't see that prayer. Uh, and the guy with production said, thank you, Mr. Phil. Can we get another prayer that maybe... Let's lay off the going to hell part and the lattes and, and all that. So uh, uh, it, there was there was moments uh, on on set. After that was over, Willie said, "Dad, that was hilarious when you did that." And Phil goes, "I wasn't joking." Like, okay. okay, yeah, he was over. I think that was the time whenever. So early on, this was like one of the one of the early episodes. Um, they bleeped me like three times. They put like a beep, 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 like I had cussed, you know, and I was like, I can't even think of that many cuss words. It was like a long like bleep, you know, and Phil was so mad that they had done that. And of course they were like, oh, we just thought it added to the drama or whatever. And, um, and so it just, just burned Phil. And so he, um, I think that, that probably contributed to, to that. That's terrible. (laughs) So wait a minute. Everything that you see on TV is not true. That's bizarre. Okay, but, but Phil's a fascinating guy, and I, and I love how, tr- you talk about authentic. I mean, what you see is what you get with Phil is, is my understanding and the way it appears. Yep. But I also know he's been so open about his life before Christ and, you know, and, and in saying this is who I was, but this is who I've been since then. Willie, talk about, like, in your home growing up, when your dad came to Christ, what was the before and after like? Yeah, game changer. And I think, and this can help a lot of families, and I've never forgotten this for our family. Um, although I wasn't there when he came. I mean, I was there, but I didn't remember uh, when he came to the Lord. So mom and dad were in their late 20s, um, way away from the Lord. My, my father had had a promising football career and um, even a job, and he was full of talent, but he had pretty much just flushed it all down the toilet. Um, he was not a good husband, uh, uh, numerous affairs, and uh, he was not a good dad. He was mean. He was abusive, um, and he got so bad, and he got fired from his job, and he got so bad where my mother leaves, and she's like, I'm out. So she takes us, three boys. I was the youngest, and, and moves out and really doesn't know what's going to happen to Phil, and um uh, Phil ends up running from the police. Uh, they were after him. The state trooper showed up because he had beat up two people and put him in the hospital. And uh, so he's out in the woods. He's just, he's that guy. He's living in the woods. And uh, before he went in the woods, my, his dad, my dad's sister had begged this pastor from West Monroe, Louisiana. That's how we got there. She said, will you please go talk to my brother uh, about the Lord and share the gospel? In fact, she said this, if you convert him, he'll convert thousands 
It was so really? amazing that she said that and wow. knew that. Because um, you were looking at him at the time thinking, how, why, <laughs> when, you know. And, uh, and, it, and I think about this pastor, and I think, you know, it'd be like, can you see my brother? He's like, oh, where's he at? You know, what, uh, when can we meet? And he's like, well, he's in another state, and he owns a bar. And so you have to go to the bar to see him. And that pastor got in the car and drove to that bar to sit down and share his faith. And I talked to the pastor before he passed, and he said, I walked in, your dad, he said, your dad was sitting there, and he had this giant Budweiser, he had a pistol in his belt, and the, the guy walks in in a little suit, you know, he said, what you selling, preacher? And, uh, and that was the thing, and this guy sat down, shared his faith, and my dad did not obey the gospel at that moment, there was no like, you know, just as I am in the bar that night, but he planted that seed, and he went, and then when my dad's in the woods and running from the law and lost his family, lost everything, he called back to that and thought, that preacher told me something about Jesus, something about redemption, something about a better life, and drags back up to West Monroe and says, hey, let me talk to that preacher again. So my mom and my dad came to the Lord. The family was restored. They're back together. And if that would have been the end of the story, guys, that would have been good enough for me because it, yeah. it meant my mom and dad were together. He was a nicer person. And, um, but that wasn't the end of the story. My dad had this passion. Then he just, he went from as bad as you can get to as good, kind of like the apostle Paul, then to as good as you could get and just wanted to share the gospel and share his faith. And he was out there. So growing up when I was a kid, all I, I mean, all I can remember is studying the Bible, people just coming in there, streaming nonstop into our living rooms because people would take people down there. Well, let Phil have a go at them. And I mean, there were murders there. I mean, like craziness. Yeah. I, you know, unfortunately, I made it through with all these crazy people, but I watched him like baptize hundreds of people in the river that came up in and out of our yard. And they would just happen on Fridays, on Thursdays, on Sundays, anytime that that happened. And Phil, he just turned that around. And then you think about, then I was like, wait a minute. So that happened to this, to this couple. If you play that all the way forward. So Doug Dynasty was in I think 2013, over 100 million people just in this country have watched the show. You had a prayer at the end of the episode in your homes. That was in over 100 countries all over the world. You take all of our followers now, like Sadie has millions of followers. She preaches all over the world, all the different people and the family members. And you can trace all that back to a couple in Junction City, Arkansas, who literally had nothing going for them. And right there, you could butterfly effect that all the way back there. If that doesn't happen, think of all the things. There's no duck commander. There's no company. There's no duck dynasty. None of that happens. And so, therefore, what that does for me is I never give up on anybody. Because I don't know who's, is that going to be the next person that God may just blow the doors off of everything? So, when I think about even people here today, or there's probably, I know there's people that you wish were here today. And there's somebody going, there's no way God can fix this thing. And I'm telling you, it didn't get any worse than that. You know, police living in the woods, you know, that guy, that couple. And it's just amazing what God's done. And so therefore it's put a, in my spirit and our heart and our family saying, we have to continue to get that good news. Because once that good news hits you, I mean, it's amazing what God can do with that. I, I told you all this, and, I, and I mean it very sincerely. I talk for a living. That's what I do. And I don't have the words to say thank you adequately for y'all making the time to be here, 
to pour into our church family and who knows who else will watch this online later on. So that's all I can do is take, will y'all join me in saying thank you to Willie and Corey Robertson. Thank y'all. Y'all can go ahead and have a seat for just a second. You know, Willie used the magic word there, gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. And I, I think what an amazing testimony about the power of one life, one life changed for eternity because of Jesus, because of what Christ did on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for you like he died for me. He became our sin. He took it on himself. And because he did that, he, he paid the penalty for our sin. He died. He died the death that should be yours and mine. But in the amazing grace of God, and I know so far that doesn't sound like good news necessarily, but it's good news because the grace of God means you can't earn what Jesus did for you. I can't, I can't do enough good things to deserve it. That's why grace is so amazing. If you're here today or maybe watching online and you've never accepted that free gift we want to give you the opportunity to do that right now, to begin a relationship with Christ. I want to ask everyone, if you will, just bow your heads for a moment. And if you would like to live in that relationship with God, beginning right here and right now, it is absolutely eternal and forever, but it's also here and now. If you'd like to take hold of that, if you'd like to accept that, then we want to invite you to pray a prayer of beginning, a prayer of surrender. Surrender to the only one who would never take advantage of your surrender, but will only use it for his glory and your good. If you'd like to take that step, then we invite you just to pray. Whether you're here in the room or you're online or watching this maybe weeks, months, years from now, a prayer of beginning. Just silently talk to God from your heart to his and say, Jesus, I need you. I need your grace, your forgiveness. And so I confess my sin to you. I confess all of it in order to receive all of your grace and your forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, I choose to believe that you died on the cross for me. That you died on the cross, but then you rose from the dead. And I choose to believe that. And in exchange for your life, I will give you my life. I will follow you from this moment forward. I pray this prayer in your name. I want to ask you if you would just remain with your heads bowed. 
This is sacred ground that we're walking on right now, folks. When God moves in somebody's life, it changes the trajectory of not just their life, but every life that they'll ever touch. It changes eternity. And so if that was your prayer, as a church, we want you to know this this is the most important moment of your life, and we want to help with the moments that follow. In just a minute, we'll kind of explain how we do that, but right now as our heads are bowed, if that was your prayer, would you just raise your hand? Just just raise your hand up high in the air and hold it up there for a moment. A moment as a statement physically of the commitment spiritually that you just made and know as a family of faith with you, we, we love you, we honor that, and we celebrate that with you. And we have kind of a family tradition around here as you put your hands down, we're gonna put our hands together and tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.